In 1951, Bob Munger preached a sermon at the First Presbyterian Church in Berkeley called, My Heart, Christ's Home. Here's what he said at the beginning of that sermon. One evening, I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. What an entrance he made. It was not a spectacular, emotional thing, but very real. It was at the very center of my life. He came into the darkness of my heart and turned on the light. He built a fire in the cold hearth and banished the chill. He started music where there had been stillness, and he filled the emptiness with his own loving, wonderful fellowship. I have never regretted opening the door to Christ, and I never will, not into eternity. Today, we're starting a sermon series called Our Church, Christ's Home. We want to show from Scripture that our personal relationship with Christ, a kind of vertical dimension, is balanced by our relationship with one another, a horizontal dimension. That dimension has a name. It's called the church, a fellowship we've been denied for over a year by COVID-19. So, Come along with us for the next eight weeks as we explore the various facets of the Church of Jesus Christ. We hope it will make you eager to renew all the dimensions of our life together, worship, study, fellowship, mission, and all of it face to face. And now please pray with me. Lord, silence within us any voice but your own that hearing your word, we may also obey your will. Through Christ our Lord, amen. And now let us hear God's word found first in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and verses 15 and 16. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And now a second reading from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and I'm reading from... Eugene Peterson's The Message. Let us see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. The Word of God for the people of God. 
When my friend, Dr. Sid Smock, had surgery a few years ago, he requested that he not be placed in a private room after the operation. When I expressed my surprise, he explained that in his experience as a doctor, patients tend to recover more quickly when they have a roommate. Well, the family can't be there 24 hours a day, nor can busy nurses. So, in the night hours, when the pain of recovery keeps you awake, it's good to have someone six feet away with whom you can share your fears and your hopes. And the result, Sid said, is that people heal faster and go home quicker. Now, you've heard it said that the church is not a club for saints, but a hospital for sinners. If that's true, and I believe it is, then permit me to point out that there are no private rooms at this spiritual hospital that we call the San Marino Community Church. Every room on our campus is public space, and that's on purpose. Because in order to help us heal from our hurts, our griefs, our doubts, and yes, from our sins, we need each other's encouragement, prayers, and hugs. But for the past year, we've been at home alone on Sunday, staring at a computer screen. People we greeted so warmly every Sunday are invisible. The patio where we shared coffee and donuts has been empty. It's as if we've been in a private room, trying to say, stay spiritually healthy all by ourselves. And we've done it for so long now that we may be tempted to ask, well, who needs the church? I've gotten along pretty well, sitting on my couch in my pajamas, drinking coffee and eating my toast while listening to our pastors preach. Perhaps In the Garden is your new theme song. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Now, if that's one of your favorite songs, please forgive me when I suggest that it radically distorts the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Christian faith, though personal, is not private. It's simply not true that none other has ever known the joy of walking with Christ. Our faith is not Jesus and me. It's always Jesus and us. The biblical term for church, ecclesia, means literally people called together by God. Called together. The church was there in embryo when Jesus called James and John, Peter and Andrew, and eight others to be his disciples. He called them into a community, 
a band of brothers. They were like students in a classroom or apprentices in a shop. When my father came to America with only an eighth grade education, he chose to become a sheet metal worker. At Maitland Sheet Metal in Santa Barbara, he trained under a journeyman in the company of fellow sheet metal workers. So close was their bond that after he retired, he, jo he joined his friends after work at least once a week just to catch up on their lives. And so with those first disciples. They were a fellowship of apprentices with Jesus as their journeyman teacher. So I repeat, the Christian faith, though personal, is not private. Oh yes, each of us must make our own decision to follow Jesus. But once we begin that journey, we cannot complete it by ourselves. We need spiritual companions. Why? Because we Christians are no more immune to corporate downsizing or, or to the onset of cancer than anyone else. The stock market does not favor us, nor do we have a corner on contentment. We break our legs and our marriages at about the same rate as the rest of the population. So we need allies to prop us up when we are wounded. In short, we need the ecclesia, the fellowship of apprentices, the company of believers, the church. Now, of course, church is more than Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. So, your small group Bible study is the church. When you team up with others to collect a ton of food, that's the church. Women preparing meals for the bereaved, deacons taking communion to shut in members, volunteers building a house for Habitat for Humanity, mentors working with teenage confirmands, they are the church. Join a mission trip to Malawi. You'll not only see the church feeding and educating orphans in the poorest nation in the world, you will experience the church as you study and eat and pray with your fellow travelers. Now, I have to confess this morning that I'm not a pro at doing church. Oh, oh, I can preach about the church, but I find it hard to practice the church. You see, I'm an introvert, and so I tend to build high walls around myself and try to go it alone inside my little fiefdom. Oh, but there came a day when my walls were breached and I found myself surrounded and upheld by the caring arms of a loving congregation. Here's the story. 
While watching Masterpiece Theater one Sunday, the phone rang. A police officer was calling to inform us that our son-in-law, Larry, had just been killed by a drunk driver. We flew to Spokane early the next morning. We hugged our daughter as she poured out her grief. We cried with our three young grandchildren. We wept through the memorial service. We staggered through the committal. And the next day, I flew back to Scottsdale while Carol stayed behind to help our daughter with the onerous details of death. I was alone for a month, but not really. Cards stuffed our mailbox until there was no more room for them on the dining room table. Hot meals arrived every day. People I barely knew in that 2,400-member congregation phoned to offer their condolence and to assure me of their prayers. The next Sunday, I preached on David and Goliath. You'll remember that before going into battle, David picked up five smooth stones to vanquish the giant. I told the congregation that that I was relying on five smooth stones to vanquish my grief, prayer, scripture, faith, family, and the church. A few days later, Susan Alcantara walked into my office and handed me this small bag. When I opened it, out fell five smooth stones. And to my hurting heart, the biggest stone of all represented the good people of Valley Presbyterian Church. Though I was by myself, they did not let me grieve alone. And that's what the church at its best, is all about. It breaks through our barriers and surrounds us with the friends we need to see life through. That's what the author of the letter to the Hebrews was talking about. Let us see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. So where are you right now in the broad spectrum of human experience? Are you bursting with hope as the pandemic wanes, eager to get on with life? Or are you saddled with some personal failure or a secret sin or a grief that simply won't go away? The future is bleak, and you wonder if God knows who you are, let alone cares what you're dealing with. Paul Pearson, former dean at Fuller Seminary, recently shared a story that, that speaks to all of us who, as Jesus put it, are weary and carrying heavy burdens. When Paul preached his first sermon in a tiny chapel in Corumbá, Brazil, 
A disheveled woman approached him after the service and said that she wanted to become a believer. She was an alcoholic, a prostitute. She had four children from four different men. Her background was so sordid that it's a wonder they didn't show her the door. But instead, Paul said, that day she found a Lord who loved her and the community that embraced her. A Lord who loved her. That's the personal dimension of our faith. And because none of us can go it alone, we need a community that embraces us. When we come back together, San Marino believers, let us rededicate ourselves to be a church where people, regardless of their race, age, politics, sexual identity, social status, or moral failings, can find a Lord who loves them and a community that embraces them. There are no private rooms here at SMCC because Jesus Christ, the great physician, wraps his healing arms around everyone. And so will we. <laughs>